with the help of the Lord, minister this, the Ark of Provision. The Ark of Provision. And you'll see what I'm talking about here in just a minute. Uh, Philippians chapter uh, 4, verse number 19. It says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Isn't that an awesome, awesome opportunity and promise? That the same God who takes care of me, this is Paul writing, will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. And uh, now if you'll turn over to the book of Genesis, the sixth chapter, Genesis chapter 6, and uh, ladies, if you haven't gotten your fervent book, you can see my wife after church, and she can help you out. Genesis chapter 6, this is the story of Noah, starting at verse number 9. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Uh, Chapter 6, I'm starting at verse number 10 now. Uh, Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. Verse 12, God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. And so God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them out all out along with the earth. Build a large boat, or build an ark, from cypress wood, another word for gopher wood, and waterproof it with tar inside and out, then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat, and put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Look, I am about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So so enter the boat, you, your wife, your sons, and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male, a female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all the animals. And so Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. And I want to, like I said, preach on the Ark of Provision. I love the promise that God gives that he'll provide, don't you? All through scripture, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, Ephesians, I think it's 3.20 that says he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think according to the power that worketh in us. And uh, Jehovah Jireh, we sing an old song, Jehovah Jireh. That word Jehovah Jireh means the Lord my provider. I'm thankful that God provides for the needs of his people. I'm thankful that when I'm down and out and I'm hopeless and I don't have the answers and I don't know the pathway that I'm supposed to walk, that God comes alongside of me and says, listen to my voice, let me show you the way, let me provide 
the opportunity. Let me open the door that needs to be opened and close the door that needs to be closed and allow yourself to walk after my footsteps so that you walk in the way that I have chosen. I'm thankful for a God that loves us enough. And and here's the exciting thing is the path for each one of us is different. We're not walking the same exact path. Now, Spirit of Grace Church as a corporate body of believers is walking one path, but that one path is made up of hundreds of different paths. And we're all walking a different path and God is speaking different things into different people's lives because each person is at a different level of experience with him. There's some that are brand new that really don't know much about God or the Spirit of God and how to function and follow the Spirit of God. And then there's others that have been around a long time. And then there's some others that have been around a long time that just need to be reminded how to flow and function in the spirit of God. We've got all kinds of people, but in each avenue, in each individual, God has promised according to his riches that he's going to supply or provide the need that we have at the moment that we need it. And and so there has been this misunderstanding is what I'll say in in churches and in, in, in this Christian walk And there is this misunderstanding is simply this, that God wants to deliver you out of your situation. I believe that God is all about deliverance. In fact, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to do just that. So the word deliverance isn't the problem. It's our perception of what deliverance looks like. Because for us, Deliverance is this. It's, it, we get the picture of a guy, we're in the middle of a sea or an ocean or a lake and we're drowning and we see the, the guy standing on the side of the boat and he throws us the lifeline and he pulls us out to safety just in that heartbeat. That's the deliverance we're talking about. That's what, we're, God, we are in an absolute mess. I want you to get me out of it. And sometimes we don't understand that part of the reason that we're in the mess that we're in is because we made a dumb decision. And when we make those dumb decisions, we don't want to be held accountable for our dumb decision. And so the first thing that we do, we'll pastor preach that if you just ask, you shall receive. Just knock and it shall be opened. It's scripture, right? Well, it's scripture all right, but maybe not meaning that exact same thing. You see, God wants to provide not what you want, but what you need. And can I just tell you that some of the situations that we are in is our dumb decisions, but some of the situations that we're in is because God has placed us there. God has placed us there. I want you to picture this in the Old Testament, in the middle of nowhere, God speaking to you. Hey, listen, I want you to, I'm, I'm a little ticked off with my creation right now. And I haven't found anybody that's righteous. I haven't found anybody that's worthy of salvation. I haven't found anybody that I just want to, t- I'm just going to just get rid of it all. But Noah, I, I've noticed you and we've had a relationship. And, and so I want to make a, a way for you. And so here's what I'm going to do. I want you to build me a boat. But not just any boat. Because if I just let you build the boat, you might build a yacht for six, right? 
Just get me and my family taken care of. We'll just, we'll, and, and, and if we're going to be stuck in a boat for a couple of months, I want there to be luxury. I want to be full mattresses. I want to have a full-fledged restroom. I want to have a great galley kitchen with loaded food and, and, and a, a Wi-Fi. And I, I want all of that. No, no, no. This is what I want you to do. I want you to make a boat that's longer than a football field. That's wider than a football field. That's about four stories tall. That's what I want you to do. Oh, really? Hmm. Just me? Yeah, just you. You've got three sons that might help you when they're not fighting and wrestling, when they're not arguing, when they're not complaining. They, they, they might help you, but this, that, this is what I want you to do. Oh, and by the way, Noah, I'm asking you to do this before any lumber mills are built. And so you're going to have to go and you're going to have to find the trees to cut down. And then you're going to have to form the wood into what the boat should be. Oh, really? 450 feet longer than a football field. Wider than a football field. Higher than a four-story building. Really? I don't know about you, but I'd have to be questioning God. What? And there's nowhere in scripture that tells us that Noah was a carpenter. He may have been talking to Tim Sanders. Before YouTube. Before the DIY channel. Noah, just figure it out. Can you imagine God getting you into that situation? in the middle of nowhere, taking your three kids and beginning to tear down trees and beginning to make the, the lumber that needs to be made for a boat that big. Now, I just have to tell you that this building is 60 feet wide. From there to there is 60 feet. Three or 450 feet long. You go cut those trees. Yeah, this building is just at 100 feet wide. So if you take 25 feet, that's how wide. Almost three times as big and just about as wide. And these ceilings are 20 feet. We got 25 more feet to go. And not only are you supposed to make the boat, Noah, but on top... You need 18 inches to ventilate everything that's going to happen inside the boat for the days that you're going to be in the boat. And not only that, Noah, on the inside you need to make three tiers from the bottom of the boat to the top of the boat. And not only that, then you've got to create enough pitch or tar to seal not only the outside but the inside. That big of a boat and it's you and your three kids and not only that Noah it's in the middle of nowhere and I understand that and so I know that you can't go to Home Depot to get the power saws 
and the power drills and you can't get the material there to do it, you've got to hand make everything that you're putting together. Because Noah, the hardware store down the street, doesn't have enough nails to put this boat together. You're going to have to figure this out under my direction. Talk about a situation to be put in. I don't know about how you would react to that. I would sit there and I'd say, you've got to be kidding me, God. I need to do this? Yeah. It makes my problem seem a whole lot smaller when I think of it that way. Oh, and then by the way, Noah, just all of humanity rests upon your shoulders to get it done because it's the only way humanity is going to be saved. Oh, yeah, okay. Mm, Thanks, God. And then not only that, Noah, but every step along the way that you're doing, you're going to have voices ridiculing you, making fun of you, questioning your sanity, rejecting your proposition. You're going to tell them that God told you to do it, and they're going to think you've absolutely fallen off the ark. And, 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 and Noah, I just, I have got to warn you ahead of time that you are not going to be the most popular person around for the next several years because I know you're not going to get this done quick. But I'm glad that my God shall supply all our needs. You see, here's, here's what we want. We want God to say, let there be an ark. And then we want God to go, hmm, let there be all the animals already housed and let there be a septic system within it. And let there be a place for me and my family to dwell with all the animals of the earth. My question was, what kind of food did Noah have at his disposal for all the time that he was? See, it rained 40 days and 40 nights. But when the water covers the whole entire earth, it doesn't dissipate in 40 days or 40 nights. In fact, we don't really know exactly how long Noah was afloat. But we know that he floated. Here's what I'm trying to say to somebody tonight. My God might want to be providing a way for you by asking you to build a boat. You see, we like it when he provides all of the answers and plucks us from one place to another and says, okay, I'm going to get you out of this mess. Let's come on over here to where, the, where it's nice and easy. But what we don't always like, Noah's situation called for a boat that was not built. And your situation may call for a boat that has not been built yet. And God may be saying, listen, I'm not taking you out of your situation, but I'm going to ask you to start building something. I'm going to ask you to start working on something. I'm going to ask you to start adding one thing to the next because when the situation hits its absolute ending you will have a boat to climb into against all the ridicule Noah begins to work now I don't know about you but that had to take a lot of energy and a lot of time to find all of the trees have you visualized the size of this monstrosity yet I mean, when God does things big, he does things big. Our 
whole lot's not even 450. It's bigger than our whole lot here to get it to the length and the height and the width and then have all the inside done. And he couldn't call ABC Lumber Supply Company and say, hey, listen, can you drop this lumber off? He had to go out. He had to locate it. Now, I don't know. I didn't do the math. I couldn't figure out the math, if I, even if I knew how to figure out the math. I don't know how much wood it took to build this ark. Or let me say it this way. I don't know how many trees it took. But he may have gotten the whole tree area around him torn down, cut up, and he's thinking, oh, well, this isn't too bad. I'm only having to bring it 100 yards to get it to where I need to be. And then he looked, and he had one layer of wood. And then he had to go figure out where to cut the next trees down. You see, when we're praying for deliverance, when we're praying for an answer, we're looking for God to just do it quick. God, get me out of it. Have mercy on me. Because we've taken these little uh, snap shots of biblical history where God stepped in and just did something miraculously in a heartbeat, gave sight to the blind, raised the dead, healed the lame, did all kinds of things, opened up the ears of the dead. He did all kinds of things in just a quick, he even called Lazarus back from the grave. He did all of these things in just a heartbeat's notice. And so we expect, don't you? We come to expect God to do it on our behalf. God forbid we have to pray about it more than once. God forbid that we have to pray about it more than a week. If we're praying about it for more than a week or a year or two years, we think, oh God, where have you been? I have been praying and seeking your face and your word says, if I seek, I will find. I'm not finding anything yet, God. And God could be just saying, because you haven't started building anything yet. Your miracle might rest in your actions and not in God's. Now, I believe that God assisted Noah. I believe that God led him to the trees. I believe that God gave him divine strength and stamina. I believe that God gave him three sons that didn't cause him too many problems while they were building the ark. They caused some problems later, but during the ark building, they did okay. I, I, I believe that God did the things and gave him certain things. But listen, he does the same thing to us. He lets us put one foot in front of the other while we're walking through hell because he understands that this too shall come to pass. And he understands that if you will just do what he says to do, you will begin to build your escape from your situation. You will begin to build an ark for you to float. I want you to notice that Noah started dealing with a situation before the situation became too big. It didn't start raining when he started building. God gave him some foresight into constructing something in his life that would answer when the floodgates were going to get ready to open. And God has tried to give you and I from time to time in our lives 
whether it be a passage of scripture, whether it be a direction to pray for, whether it be a vision or, or something, God is trying to not to answer it right now, but to start building on it. Because he understands that if you'll start building now, the winds and the waves may not even be showing up yet. They may be four, five, six, seven years down the road, but he's trying to prepare in you something for you to float in when you get troubled by the sea. And I believe that God is trying to say to somebody here tonight that it's not about what he can do, it's about what he can do through you. The scripture that is in Ephesians, and I think it's chapter 3, verse 20, I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that that's what it is, where it says, unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think. We love quoting that. We love it. Unto him that's able to do, he can go, he can blow our minds. Don't we like that? He can go so far and above what we can comprehend. But that's not where the writer stopped. He finished it out with a phrase. And it's this. According to the power that worketh in us. You and I can either release God to do something in us or hinder him from doing something in us. He's able to blow our minds. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can even think to ask. But it's according to the power that works in you. And here's the reason. God's a gentleman. And because God's a gentleman, he's not going to force us to do anything we do not want to do. And because he's not going to force us, he's going to do everything within his power to attract you enough to listen to him and obey him. And when you start listening and obeying is when God can then start moving. You know, one of the things that I get most often asked or commented on in ministry is why did God let me go through all of this so many years ago? And I've learned a long time ago that God's timing is already always right. And what we're dealing with today, we're dealing with it because God started to prepare us years ago for it. Sometimes it's revealed, sometimes it's not. But when we get to that point and it's revealed to us and we see it and we experience it, it doesn't hurt any less. It doesn't make us struggle any less. But God started something a long time in us, whether we even knew it was God. We may not have even credited God for it. We may just thought we were just making decisions. We just decided on a career path. We just decided on this. We decided on that. But in all actuality, from the beginning of our existence, God was trying to line us up to get us to a point in time. Well, why didn't he do it 10 years ago? Because we weren't ready 10 years ago. Why didn't he do it for us five days ago? Because we weren't ready five days ago. 
Why can't he do it tonight? Well, he can if you're ready and he's ready. But his timing is impeccable. So if you're going through something, if you're dealing with something, just keep building the ark. Well, pastor, what does that mean, build the ark? Here's what it means. Do what God has asked you to do. Individually, he's probably asked you some things, whether you realize it or not. But corporately, there's things in his word that he has asked us to do. Paul lists a whole bunch of them in Thessalonians. In everything, give thanks. Every time you give thanks, no matter what you're involved in or where you're at, what's going on, what are you doing? You're putting another layer of wood on the ark. When you pray without ceasing, which is another directive of Scripture, as you begin to seek his face, what are you doing? You're putting another layer of wood on your ark. And here's the thing. When you're building that, well, I don't, I, I don't see the, the big picture. Can I tell you something? I understand that in modern day that I can watch HGTV and I can see a building coming together, okay? And I can see the drawings of it. And I can, and can then begin to picture what they do with, the, with the, the house that they're fixing or whatever based on the drawings that they've revealed. When we put this together, I could see this before because I could see the plans that were drawn up, okay? There is no record in Scripture that Van Man and Associates cut a blueprint for the ark. So as Noah began to put the first layer of wood down, I don't think he could picture what God was doing. He was just being obedient to what God said. Lay this here, lay this here, lay this here, put this over here, connect this over here. I know you can't see what this is all going to look like yet, but just keep building. You'll see it eventually, but just keep doing it. And sometimes in our lives, we want to go, we want the end picture so we can begin to design our life to fit the end picture. Here's the problem. God knows that if we have the end picture, we're going to try to build it our own way. And so he doesn't give us the big picture of things. He gives us one board at a time, one nail at a time, maybe one room at a time. And he says, just be obedient. I know what I'm doing with you. I know what I'm doing to frame you and form you into what you should be. If you will just continue to listen to me, obey me and reach for me, maybe I won't show you all the things that I'm doing. But when the trumpet sounds and you see me face to face, you're going to look at yourself and you're going to say, that's what you were building. That's what you were putting together, God. That makes sense why I went through six months of hell then because you were chiseling out something that needed to have space for your spirit to come in. That, that I understand now, God, why you took this from me and I lost this and, and this was destroyed and this was, was changed. I, I understand why you put a change order in. If you don't know what that is, just... Ask Randy. A change order uh, put in and, and you had to change from the, the plan that was, I see what you were adjusting me there and, and you were changing what I was doing. And you're, I get it now, God, because you've made me perfect. I don't get it right now. I don't get everything that he's doing in me right now. I don't see the end product. Tell me where I'm gonna be in five years. I have no idea what I'm going to be doing in five years. 
I'm lucky to know what I'm doing in five minutes. Let me just lay another planking down, God. Let me just lay it out one brick at a time, one board at a time. Let me do it just a little here, a little there. Trusting that you're the master builder and I'm just the understudy. Because what he is doing by allowing you to build your life, he is providing you with the way of escape from the floods that are to come. When Noah started building, he didn't realize that he was building the miracle. When Moses started, or when Noah started gathering all the wood and started laying it all down, he didn't realize that God was actually providing the way of escape for Noah and his family, and thus all of humanity. How do I know that? I know that because First Peter tells us that. He writes that the, the concept of the ark is a picture of baptism which now saves us. You see, if we didn't have the ark and the picture of the ark, if, if Noah wouldn't have just been obedient amidst all the ridicule and the heartache, I just got to tell you, I don't know how he got up every day having to move all that wood. I'm sure he was stiff and sore. I'm sure he stubbed his toe from time to time. I'm sure he hit his fingers and thumbs with a hammer from time to time. I'm sure that his kids got on his nerves and he got on his kids' nerves. I'm sure that Mrs. Noah probably wasn't very happy with him spending all of his time with the wood and just playing outside in the dirt. I have a feeling that he was, there were times where he struggled and he fought and he just got, got so frustrated. God, what are you doing? Doing. These people aren't listening. They're fighting me every step of the way. All I know is I'm trying to do what you're wanting me to do and nothing's working out and nothing's happening right and everything's not working. The reason why I know that he probably did that is because that's what we do. God, my family's causing me problems. My friends are cut. My boss, my job. God, my car's broken down. I got a leak in the house. I, God, what are you doing? Why I can't afford I can't. Uh. Instead, God is saying, oh, no, no, no. I see exactly where you're at and know what you're dealing with. Just lay another piece of wood. Just build a little bit further. I am making you through what you're doing into a great ark for the storms that are on the way. And here's what's really exciting. And you've got to get this tonight. The ark had the potential to save more than just Noah and his family. But the people didn't listen. Listen, the boat, which is your life, God is creating it so that the people you come into contact with will have the opportunity to find the safety of the spirit that God has placed in you. You can't force them in. You can't do anything to get them to come to in. All you can do is say, hey, the door is open. You can have what I have. It's, this isn't about me. I've just been building something. And as I've been building, I've been asking God, God, send me whoever needs to come in and find it. You see, I mentioned it Sunday and it's kind of been echoing. And a lot of times when I preach, it's, I come up with like three or four main points and then as I'm preaching, it just kind of flows together for me. And when I started mentioning on Sunday about the body of Christ and 
how I was raised. I didn't remember a lot of the messages and sermons and, and songs and all of those kinds of things, but I remembered the people. And I got to thinking about that this afternoon. It's those people that gave me access to my salvation. It was my Sunday school teachers. It was Lil Feldick who used to change. We had little round tables in our Sunday school room and we'd run around in circles and she'd chase us and usually catch us. It was Bob Dorn and Lester Ward. These were two gentlemen. They never preached a sermon. I don't think they ever taught a class. Lester Ward, in my mind, was 85 my whole life. Just an old guy. Had his youngest son, who's just a little bit older than me, when he was 57, I think is what it was. You do the math when Rolf graduated. But Lester Ward and Bob Dorn... They were what we kids called the bouncers. Bob Dorn was this real big, it was kind of like Laurel and Hardy, real big guy, Bob Dorn. I mean, Bob Dorn's shoulders were real broad. He was real big. Lester Ward was just, you know, just this thin. But the two of them would walk the halls during Sunday school, open the doors for kids, make sure the kids weren't running in the hallways, making sure the kids got into church when they were out in the vestibule instead of in the church. And every one of us kids knew that if Bob Dorn or Lester Ward got a hold of us doing something that we weren't supposed to do, it was not going to be their fault when they got to the parents. The parents were going to hold me accountable. I remember that. There were times where we would want to... Now, you have to understand where the church I went in, there were all kinds of secret passages within that church. You could sneak down underneath the platform and there was little ventilation things in the brick and you could look out and make faces at all the people sitting there until Bob Dorner Lester Ward found you. Then you'd get in trouble. Boys, it's time to get to church. I remember we had children's church on Sundays. Remember I told you we went to church Sunday at 10 and 11 till about 11.30. And, and so all the kids, the younger kids would start Sunday school at 10 and then the older kids would go into church at 11. And then about 11.30 to 12.15, we had what was called children's church. My grandfather would gather us together and he was not a small man either. And he would say, okay, kids. And God forbid that you would turn and talk to a neighbor during the service because there was a chance that you would hear <clears throat> behind you and you knew what that meant what was God doing he was building my ark so that when I got to ninth grade and I had to make my decision on the direction that I was going I had enough of my ark to build that I could make the decision based off of what I was already floating in. But it wasn't me that recognized that I was building it. It was those that were around me because they were building their ark so that I could have access to the presence of God. It was my Sunday school teachers 
that were gathered around me at Camp Galilee along with my cousin Andy praying for me to receive the wonderful baptism of the Holy Ghost. I can take you to the place where it's at still today at camp and I can show you where I was kneeling and just bawling my brains out and I can tell you the voices that were around me. It was Sharon Andrusik right here. It was Bonnie Wisebrod right here. Andy Wisebrod was right over here. Dan Wisebrod, Dan Fleming and Anthony Verdea were on the other sides of me. I can tell you that today don't remember what, I know what the preacher's name was, but I don't remember what he preached. His name was Greg Bixby. That's all I know. What am I saying? I'm saying God is building some arcs in this house. Don't discredit or begin to question what you're dealing with right now. Just trust that he's giving you another layer of lumber. And while it seems to be back-breaking, spirit-breaking, emotion-breaking, even spirit-breaking. I just have to think after a few years of trying to build this boat and everybody making fun of them that Noah's spirit from time to time was broken. See, we like the Philippian scripture. He'll provide! But we don't recognize that his provision is us building Where are you tonight? Have you recognized that God has you building an ark? Or are you just waiting for the miraculous, supernatural lifeline to come crashing down on your head because you feel like you're sinking? God is wanting to provide you with your way of escape. But the only way that you can escape your situation is if you'll just listen to his voice and over time continue to build your ark. I invite you to stand. There is a powerful presence of God in this house right now. And I know it might be a little bit different than normal and But I have watched across this congregation and I have watched Revelation register on some faces. And you have started even tonight as I've been preaching, saying, oh, that's what's going on. I'm busy trying to cut down a tree so I can build an ark. And I thought it was just a situation that was trying to overwhelm me. Oh, it'll overwhelm you if you don't recognize what you're building. You're building an ark for you and your family to find safety in when the real storms of life come and try to batter your ship. So take a step back tonight in the spirit and say, God, What is it that I'm, is it my decisions, my dumb decisions? If that's the case, forgive me and help me to build that part of my ark right now. And if it takes me a day, a week, two weeks, a year, help me to build that up so I don't deal with it again. Is it something that the enemy is messing with me? Well, God, then I'm asking you to help me recognize that the way you want me to get out of it is just build up that part of the ship so that the waves stop coming over the top. 
whether it be prayer, fasting, faithfulness, love, a release of anger, a release of forgiveness, whatever God is trying to say, this is what you're going to build up. Let me just release it in you. And maybe it's God that's actually testing you and, and pushing you. And your prayer needs to be, God, just let me be found faithful. Whether you deliver me or not, I know when I get to the fiery furnace, you'll be there waiting for me. Jesus, I pray over this congregation right now, this gathering of believers. Your spirit has been here in a dynamic way tonight. And Lord, now I'm asking you to step into the minds of your people and the hearts of your people. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to speak to them and help them to see right now, like in a mirror, the things that are going on in their lives. Bring it to their mind. The struggles, the fights, the heartache, the joy, the happiness, the things that are going well, the things that are not going well. And I'm going to ask you, God, to just touch their minds and their perspectives right now and help them recognize what you're trying to build in them. Lord, for your word says to add thing, one thing upon another, upon faith and temperance and, and patience and, and all of those things added together become the sum of the ark that you're trying to create in us so that we will not sink, but we will float. Lord, we'll be careful to give you praise, glory, and honor in the wonderful name of Jesus. Go with us this night, I pray. Now, would you close this service and seal this service with a worship to him? In your own way, in your own words, just begin to praise him. Jesus, we seal this entire night with praise. We enter with praise, we exit with praise. And God, I'm, I'm thankful tonight for all that you are doing, all that you have done. I'm thankful for you speaking tonight. I'm thankful, God, that you opened up your word and let it come alive to us. I'm thankful, Lord, tonight that you've drawn us together and allowed us to experience your glory and your presence. Go with each one now, I pray, in the wonderful name of Jesus. We love you, adore you, and are looking forward to seeing you soon. In Jesus' name, amen. If he should tarry, we'll see you Sunday. Have a great week. Build an ark.